0: Welcome back for another episode of the Joy in Infertility podcast. I'm your host, Kaylee Porter, and my hope is that you will join me on this road of finding joy even in infertility. Today, I'm interviewing a good friend of mine, Miss Stephanie Johns. She's a family friend, and she actually knew me as a baby. As a kid, I just always knew Stephanie as a mom to five really cute girls. I did not know her story. And if you saw her in the grocery store back then, you wouldn't have known it either because she would have had so many kids with her. But as an adult, I've started to hear pieces of her story. And this interview really brought it into the light for me. Stephanie has five kids, but she has been pregnant 12 times. If you do the math, that's seven miscarriages, seven lost babies. So if you've been through a miscarriage, this episode is specifically for you. Stephanie is as solid as it gets, and for someone who has been through so much, it's incredible that she has as much peace as she does.
1: You know, yes, God did meet me right there. He held me in His hand, and He comforted me, and He got me to the other side of it, and He blessed me, and we found joy in the journey.
0: But hey, before we get started, I know miscarriage is not a light subject. So if Stephanie's story is just too fresh on your mind, maybe on top of your own loss, I understand. If that's where you are today, let me encourage you to skip to around the 19-minute mark and just let her love on you and speak truth into that dark place today. Let's get started. Hey, Stephanie. Thanks for coming on. I'm so glad we got our technical glitches kind of worked out. We'll see how this goes.
1: Yeah, thanks. It's good to be here.
0: Well, so tell us a little bit. I obviously know you because... I don't know, were you around when I was, like, I feel like you've been around forever, like with our family.
1: Yes, I knew you as a baby, actually, at church. That's awesome. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: So I have always just known you, you've always been a family friend of ours, and so um, I want you to share a little bit about your family and tell us all about your kiddos.
1: Okay, I have been married to my husband, Scott, for 30 years, and we have five daughters. They are, um, range in age from age four to 23. (laughs) That's crazy. We have a lot of fun at our house with all those girls. Um, And I um, have been pregnant 12 times. Um, So I have experienced several losses. Um, So that's
0: what, seven miscarriages? Did I do that math right?
1: That's right. Seven miscarriages. Wow. Mm -hmm.
0: I can't even fathom that. So tell us kind of how that all played out whenever you were having your girls.
1: Well, my um, basically, of all of the pregnancies, I've never had a um, back-to-back pregnancy where I actually delivered you know, live birth. Um, there's always been a miscarriage in between each of the girls, and actually um, two in most cases were in between each of the, of the healthy pregnancies. So I had my first daughter um in 1994 and then 1996 thought i had a healthy pregnancy and just literally went in for a checkup and they found no heartbeat which is sadly often a way that a miscarriage is seen and so once the sonogram was done and they knew that you know the um, baby had had passed um, i ended up with that one actually having to have a dnc um, and that was your first That was my very first miscarriage. Mm -hmm. Um, Completely surprised by that, having never had any problems before and had already had a successful pregnancy and delivery, I just felt like everything was bouncing along fine and then, you know, learned that it wasn't. So soon after the DNC, I was cleared to go ahead and try to conceive again, and we did uh, fairly quickly and lost that baby too. So my second and third pregnancies were, were both losses. Mm. Um, and then I experienced something immediately after that one, which is called secondary infertility
0: mm-hmm.
1: happens when, you know, someone has already conceived without trouble and they just for no known reason do not conceive. And that lasted for over a year before I was able to conceive my fourth pregnancy, which is my second daughter and successfully deliver her in 1998. Then following her birth, uh, you know, a few years, she was a couple of years old and we conceived again. And, um, I think, um, the pregnancy that was after her actually is a pregnancy. When my friends and family think about me having miscarriages, it's one of the more, um, known ones. And I say that because it was, um, it was very difficult. We almost went halfway through the pregnancy. Mm. Oh my goodness! And and we learned that the baby did have a trisomy disorder, um, and we had uh, medical people trying to convince us to abort. It was a little boy named Zachary, mm. and um, of course, we did not abort. We did not feel like that was our decision to make. Um, we felt, you know, strongly believe that God is the giver of life. Um, and that it's up to him the number of days that someone lives, regardless if it's all in utero or on the earth. Um, And so we had to walk through that and stand very strong in our conviction about that, um, medically speaking. So at 2000, that's when all of that happened. We did, Fortunately, we did get to see several sonograms of Zachary, um, which was different from all of the other miscarriages, where we really didn't get to see quite that much interaction. And he did, um, he, he did pass away in utero and I did deliver him and that was, um, 2000. And then again, soon after, um, I was cleared for conception again, you know, just making sure everything was healthy and all of that, which is always recommended following miscarriages. And so we were able to have our daughter, our third daughter in 2001, um, A little while later, 2002, I had two miscarriages again. And both of those were kind of your earlier miscarriages where I was probably five or six weeks along. They were still difficult by all means. I I believe that each miscarriage is a loss. But I do think my body and also emotionally, I was able to overcome those a little quicker. Um, Then in 2003, we had our fourth daughter and... um, other than a little bit of bed rest with her, everything was fine. All of these deliveries and pregnancies have been great, besides the ones that have been losses, which you know have caused the doctors to scratch their head and say, "Well, what in the I world?" Bet. You know. <laughs> um, and then in 2007, I had another unusual miscarriage. Um, at the 13-week mark, we learned that there was no heartbeat. And it was very much like my first miscarriage where I thought everything was fine. I wasn't having any symptoms. Went in for a regular checkup and there was no heartbeat. And this time, instead of rushing me, you know, the next couple of days for a procedure, dnc C, they suggested I let my body um, kind of miscarry mm-hmm. on its own. And that might be more healthy for me. So, of course, we went along with that and um, wanting as little intervention as possible. And I ended up carrying that baby for three weeks, waiting um, wow. to miscarry. That was a very difficult, challenging time. Um, it really was a, a low for me. As far as when I look back and the whole um, journey of childbirth and pregnancy and losses, that was definitely one of the segments, or you know, of three weeks that were very, very tough. Mm-hmm.
0: I can't um, imagine the emotions that the ups and downs, like that, you're processing through during those three weeks.
1: Mm -hmm. yeah and every little twinge you feel or any any of the symptoms that you do start to have you know any spotting or anything you're immediately thinking okay brace yourself it's going to be today Mm -hmm. um and at that time in 2007 you know I actually had four young girls that were watching my every move closely and um you know I want them to um I want to protect them but I also know that they need to also know a little bit at least of what mama's going through and um, it's healthy for them to see us process things and know that God does help us when we're having a rough time. And so, I wanted them to know those things just on their level.
0: So how did how did you do that? I mean, not everybody listening has kids, but like with our situation, we're going—I don't know if it's secondary infertility or continuing secondary infertility—but with Emma, I mean, she's only three, but she is all she talks about at night when we pray is, you know, I want a baby brother or baby sister. So it's on our minds, it's on her minds, and so. How did you process that with them as you lost each baby?
1: Um, for the first few miscarriages at the beginning, they were they were also, you know, like your Emma, they were very young. Um, and so I would just try to answer them where they were. Like, if you know, they might ask me where the baby was, and you know, after the loss, I would just tell them that the baby was with Jesus and, um you know, if they would ask any, any of their questions, I would just try to answer them as, as simple as possible. Mm -hmm. Like, are we going to, are we going to have another baby? And I would say, you know, well, that is going to be up to God. You know, he's the one that gives us the babies. Mm -hmm. And, um, if anybody asks my kids even today I believe you know where babies come from they're gonna probably tell you from God
0: (laughs) which is so awesome (laughs)
1: because it's true (laughs) so that's kind of how we would and we would pray you know with them if that's what we were doing or you know if they were needing that and um just trying to come from that angle of celebrating life um Mm -hmm. no matter how long that you get you know to celebrate that life and so with each time we were pregnant we would tell. Um, I believe there was one pregnancy, honestly, that we waited just a little while, and I realized that that was wrong. That um, For me, I'm not saying it's wrong for everybody, but for me, I needed people to be rejoicing and praying for me with each pregnancy, with our history and not knowing what the future would be with all of them. Um, and so we decided after that one time we did that to not do it that way again. And we would always just tell people and let them know they could be praying for us. And we're so excited with each pregnancy. I mean, I'm one of those back flipping, jumping through the house. I'm pregnant kind of people, even though it's been 12 times, I am so excited. So
0: every time, every, Mm -hmm. every time you got excited, you didn't have that, that fear immediately kick in.
1: Um, with one of the babies, I did have that fear kick in. um, funny enough, I was with your sweet aunt and uh, <laughs> and I just really felt strongly to just pray and ask the Lord to really help me overcome that fear and um, that's I, he very very faithfully answered that and I really feel like um, helped me overcome it and this what I just described to you about celebrating life is kind of what came out of that. to look at it as um, a, a little differently and to not I mean we're none of us guarantee a day you know, mm-hmm. after today. And so to try to look at it more in the moment and to celebrate what I'm given and to be thankful for what I'm given, it was kind of a shift for me, you know, a little bit of a mind shift for me, a heart shift. So.
0: Wow. Well, yeah. Cause I mean, they, even doctors kind of tell you now, like, don't, you don't d- probably recommend you wait till after that 12 week mark to talk about it. Cause you just don't know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's a different take on it that, it's, it's a life either way. So celebrate it and have others around you celebrate it. And, um, so following
1: the, um, delivery, which I did, you know, at, I, after carrying the, um, miscarriage, we were talking about that, that was 13 weeks. I carried it till 16 weeks and I actually delivered, um, and some of my others I'd had to have the DNC, even though I really wanted to deliver, um, with the, this one, I was actually able to deliver and hold that baby. And that was very, um, difficult. I do believe it gave me closure. That was different than the other miscarriages. Um, and it was very helpful for me in the grieving process to understand how perfectly dear that little baby was made. Every little feature looked perfect. Mm. And
0: and how far along did you say you were?
1: I was um, 16 weeks. Wow. And the baby had actually stopped growing at the 13-week 13. mark. Okay. So that would be the size of the baby it was very very small um unable to determine if it was boy or girl but um that you know those features had not completely developed yet but um yes that was another one of those experiences that really stands out when i look back you know over my own personal journey through all of this and then um A few months later, I had our last miscarriage, um, which was around the six-week mark, again, kind of like the other early ones that I had had. That, again, just kind of, you know, it obviously is a loss, and it caused me to grieve again, Um, but it was a little bit easier each time. The length of time that you feel like you're expecting, I think, is connected to the grieving process, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then we had a, a miraculous <laughs> thing happen um, from the 2007 with those two miscarriages that I described. My youngest child at the time was praying that we would conceive. Well, that's not her word. She was praying we'd have a baby. Right. <laughs> kind of like your sweet Emma is doing now. Yes. And um, so, and of course, my the desire of my heart all along was to have another baby. So in 2013... We had a surprise pregnancy. Um, we really had not been trying to conceive, and the way that I got to that point is a story in, its, in itself. Um, I truly believe after the seventh, after the, after that last miscarriage, I feel like God gave me peace because it seemed like I was wanting more and was not content for what I had, Mm -hmm. and I had to go through a little struggling as far as wrestling that down completely and really laying that at the feet of Jesus and saying, okay, I'm so thankful for what you've given me, I can't ask for more, I just need to focus on these four children that you have blessed me with and pour my heart into them and just have peace with that. And the amazing thing happened is I got pregnant without even thinking or, or even you know truly putting the efforts and the um, all of that back into it. The Lord just blessed us with this little baby, and I was forty three. <laughs>
0: so, and you named baby. her what?
1: And we and we <laughs> named her Joy,
0: and she is um, so joyful. I love she <laughs> seeing is. her little personality.
1: She is full of joy. When we sat the other four girls down to tell them, cause I had not been feeling well and we were all concerned with what was going on. My doctor had sent me to a thyroid specialist <laughs> who ran a bunch of tests, all kind of blood work, page of blood work. And, um, Including a, a pregnancy yep. test. <laughs> and so she calls me back and I'm expecting to hear something's wrong. And i had been crying out to the Lord, Lord, please, you know, please heal me from whatever's going on because these girls need me. I need to be here for them. And uh, and, and just, you know, please heal me and give us some good news, Lord. Well, he did. <laughs> he did. That's awesome. <laughs> It gave us a, a huge, huge surprise. And so 2013 I delivered joy and we as I was describing it, we sat the girls down to tell them that we were pregnant, that mama's actually healthy <laughs> and pregnant. And the girls just sat there in all kind of amazement. And at the time the Ten year old, who had been the one praying, set just starts crying, and we call that her tears of joy. No, which at the time we hadn't picked out her name, we didn't know it was a girl. Well, you know, we probably could have probably guessed. Yeah,
0: you could at this point. She has all girls, y'all. For sure. So, um, Kayla, your oldest, did I mean she obviously probably understood somewhat of mommy has, has lost babies. Mm-hmm. Did she when you told her that this last that you were pregnant with Joy? Did she have any questions about that?
1: She really um, didn't have any specific questions as far as um, you know. None of them did as far as like concern or fear about mm-hmm. the pregnancy. I think we were also smitten with the excitement of it and the unexpected, you know, part of it until that was where our focus was. Right. And immediately because. You know, when you're, I think when you're over 40, I'm just going to say that a pregnancy, um, you kind of have exaggerated symptoms sometimes. And I've read some about this, that like I had extreme morning sickness, (laughs) extreme fatigue. And thankfully, coupled with that, I had these big kids, you know, that were, uh, you know, at this point able to do a lot of the housework. And so those kept that kept them busy and occupied yeah. and they just kind of plugged in and started doing, you know, whatever needed to be done and, you know, and taking care of me if I wasn't feeling good and that lasted for a good couple of months. Um, and that kind of helped us all to kind of get into the, okay, we're well into the pregnancy. Now we were over that hump of where losses have happened in the past. And, um, I really, after meeting with my midwife with the pregnancy and her reassuring me, um, that I really was okay at 43 to do this. I really felt peace about this pregnancy more than I maybe had, um, you know, and I don't know if some of that was just maturing over the years. Yeah.
0: That's, I remember my mom, for those of you listening, my mom had a baby at 40 and I was 11 years old. Those 11 years between us, she had fertility issues as well, but she said the same thing. Like she, but she, she always said, I just feel like it was maturity and the fact that I was relaxed and I didn't, there was nothing I could do to control anything. And yeah, so, I wish we could all just get a dose of that in our 20s. Why can't we that's do that?
1: True. I know. Yeah. So true.
0: So, how did this affect you and Scott walking through this together?
1: Well, I would say that um, in many ways it drew us closer together and it definitely drew us closer to God. I would say before the first miscarriage, especially I was one of those mamas that thought I had all my little ducks in a row and I was in control as far as I knew. Um, and you know, things were going to just work just like we planned them to work. Well, as we all know, that's not always the way it is. And, it was very humbling to me, and um, it really rocked my world, that very first miscarriage. and helped me to see that I was completely dependent on God, and I had been a Christian for many, many years before that, but I think that this caused me to grow in my faith and to, to grow my realization of I need Him every day, you know, every hour, for every part of my life, that there's not a part that I can control that, um, he, I am completely dependent on him. So it grew me, it grew Scott and I, and, um, you know, I I just think overall, I would say it strengthened us, um, both in our relationship, but also in our own individual faith as well.
0: How did you, you said, you know, each one obviously was different. That was one of my questions is when you have that many, Miscarriages, and each one has its own little nuance of of depth and length and all of that. How did you? How did you get help after each loss? Processing through all that. What did you do?
1: Um, well, I think they were each of them were different. I remember with the first pregnancy that I was just referring—I mean, first miscarriage that I was referring to—I felt this um, overwhelming desire that I really needed to get pregnant right away again. And I kind of poured a lot of my energy and effort into wanting to conceive again. I did obviously have medical help, you know, with each of each of the miscarriages. We completely, you know, relied on that as well for those medical needs. And of course, the greatest help is the greatest physician and his comfort, you know, throughout all of it. Um, there was definitely some scriptures that I felt like I relied on. It just were kind of a healing balm to me during some of those times. And some of those were just things I had studied myself or from different friends and family because they were very supportive who might call or drop by or just kind of share a little bit of wisdom with me. So um, Psalm 139 is one of those You know, whenever you stop and think about it, and I know I referred to this earlier a little bit, but to give the actual address of it, you know, it's true that God knows our days. Um, It says that your eyes saw my unformed substance in your book were written, every one of them, the days that they were formed for me. And so just that idea and that concept of knowing that every day of every person's life, he knows the number of days if they're in utero or if they're not, if they're going to actually be born and be on, you know, on the earth for a time. And another thing is um, recognizing during those moments of grief that, you know, blessed are those who mourn because they shall be comforted. I had never truly um, had that kind of loss before mm. to really have experienced that firsthand and God just made that very real to me. I, I truly felt like he was carrying me in his hand and comforting me. Mm-hmm. And one of the nurses that I actually met during this process, she described it that way. She said, you just need to rest in him mm. and just kind of relax, kind of float, you know, just right there with him in his presence. And that was very comforting and helpful to me to kind of have that visual image of I'm just going to rest. Um And even if I wasn't resting physically, you know, just emotionally, spiritually, mentally, um, putting that, you know, as people you hear say now, lean into God and Mm -hmm. just be there, be still and be with Him. And I know that those times of grief, um, definitely that's what we did. And I would say, you know, Psalm 34 tells us that God is close to the brokenhearted. And I definitely felt that during those times as well.
0: Right. And that first verse that you said, you know, not only are your, your baby's days numbered, but God has numbered your days and he's mm-hmm. with, he, he's already been in that day that of that loss with you in the future. And he is mm-hmm. there to comfort you. And he, he, it was not a surprise to him like it was to you. And he is right there with you. And I, I love that. Just float in his presence. That's, mm-hmm. that's awesome.
1: Very, very true.
0: So now looking back your family is complete? Are you done? Are you done having yeah, babies? We're done, <laughs> yeah. Yes,
1: yes. The next children, the next children, uh, little babies will be grandbabies.
0: So, <laughs> so now that Whenever your family is complete, looking back on those on those babies. I mean, so you and I don't know you mentioned it, but you you believe you have 7 babies that are in heaven. Yes. And mm-hmm. that you will get to meet them one day.
1: That's right. That's right, and I look forward to that. I mean, I don't want to, you know, go anytime soon. I want to be with my babies that are here um, as long as the Lord allows me. But I do, I, do look forward to meeting them, and I have peace about that.
0: So, what have you seen so, God do through your journey so far?
1: Oh, um,
0: <laughs> that might be a loaded well, question. <laughs>
1: um, he has, he has done a lot through my journey. Um, I definitely. You know, as I've already said, he's he's used it to draw me closer to him personally. Um, He's also used these, as he always does, every circumstance he uses for our good. Um, And even those that are difficult, he uses for our good, which is kind of another amazing concept. But he really does. And, And then the other thing that I never signed up for is... He has given me so many opportunities to minister to women who have also experienced losses. And honestly, you know, even some that I would consider have experienced losses much greater than mine. Um, You know, the farther along that a person goes, you know, I have a couple of very dear friends that have lost babies that were full term. And I consider that to be even much more difficult of a loss. But God has somehow in his sovereignty allowed me to opportunity to minister to those a few times, as well as ladies that have gone through miscarriages, like I am currently ministering to a friend um, who's experiencing a miscarriage, somewhat similar to one of mine. And um, it's something that's very healing when you know that something that you've gone through that was very painful for you was not in vain because you can help someone else by sharing your story with them. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a very it's healing. Both for the person that you're ministering to, to know someone else has gone through what they're experiencing, but it's healing for you as you get to share and to say, Yes, you know, it's like you walk back through it a little bit, but you get to say, You know, yes, God did meet me right there. He held me in His hand and He comforted me and He got me to the other side of it and He blessed me and we found joy in the journey.
0: So, what would you share with the women listening today? Maybe they just received some heartbreaking news that they've lost their baby. What would you tell her?
1: Well, I would say they need to um, take time, you know, and they need to to allow themselves to grieve. It is a loss. It is a baby. Um, It's something that is a process to go through and not to rush it, you know, to um, lean in, you know, to Lord rest in him and to trust him that he is going to get you through it. He really does comfort those who mourn. He is so faithful and um, as far as their physical needs go, obviously, they need to make sure they take good care of themselves. There is a season of just resting your body physically, I believe, after a miscarriage and doing things that you need to to be healthy physically as well. Sometimes when you are around other people following miscarriage, someone may have great intentions of comforting you and may sometimes tell you something that may end up being hurtful. Mm. Um, and if that happens, I think the best thing, you know, is just as we are always supposed to do, be gracious, of course, and understanding that if they've never gone through a miscarriage, they may really not know what's appropriate to say. You may even find that they don't know what to say and don't say anything, which can be hurtful too. Um, and everyone is different with how they feel regarding talking about or not talking about things. So taking in all of that into consideration with your own personal story and mm. um, just being sensitive or aware that at least they were trying to help you. if They say something that's not um, as helpful as you were hoping to hear. Mm, <laughs> Cause that did good. happen to me on many occasions. People would say oh, little things sure. that just weren't always as helpful and it's a process that they're going through too. And, um, you know, spending time with other ladies who have gone through this is a healthy part of the whole process as well. Just, you know, kind of, Ask them how they um, overcame it, and any suggestions that they may have.
0: Before we, before you go, would you mind? Um, I know we didn't really talk about this, but would you mind praying over some, the women that are listening that either are experiencing a miscarriage or have experienced a miscarriage in the past? That you would just be able to just minister to them for a minute through prayer. Absolutely.
1: Father, we just come to you right now, and I just want to pray for all of the ladies that may be listening to this podcast. And, you know, this may go on and be recirculated for. Uh, a long time. So pray that your word um, would be comforting to these ladies and that they would find comfort resting in you, Father. And if um, any of them have been recently given a diagnosis of a miscarriage and have recently learned of the loss of one of their precious babies, Lord, that you would comfort them as you have comforted so many others of us before them. And that that would bring them peace to know, Lord, that you are so faithful and that you will be right there with them, holding them and comforting them through the process and I pray that on the other side of it that you will um, give them opportunities to share and to help others um, they come across in their journey to be able to minister to them as well and just pray that you will strengthen and um, cause them to grow through this process cause them to learn more about you and about themselves and just to um, grow closer in their relationships Lord with you and with the others in their family. It's in your holy
0: name I pray. Amen. Amen. Wow. As you can see, Stephanie really is passionate about encouraging women who have walked through miscarriage and loss. Just listening to her voice brings so much peace to me. She was really encouraging to me even after our interview is over. So if you're looking for someone to reach out to, please go to the show notes at joininfertility.com. Find her contact info and reach out. I promise you, you will be encouraged. Don't forget to rate and share the podcast. Each review helps it reach more people who need to hear how to find joy, even in infertility. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of the Joy in Infertility podcast. Isaiah 40, 31 says this, Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Remember, God is with you. He sees your heart. He loves you and He is good there will be beauty born from your journey. Have a great day.